Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you'll find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to the State of the Economy podcast. I'm Jyoti Datta. Seven in ten people living with diabetes found out that they had the condition only after developing complications associated with it. These were the findings of a study released by the International Diabetes Federation ahead of the World Diabetes Day earlier this month. So should India be worried? After all, it is home to the second largest number of people with diabetes after China, that is. And to break this down for us and to understand the new developments around diabetes, medicines, insulin, etc., we have with us Dr. V. Mohan, Chairman, Madras Diabetes Federation Research Foundation and Dr. Mohan's Diabetes Specialty Center. Thank you, Doctor, for speaking to us. Yeah, thank you, Jyoti. So, Doctor, India is estimated to have about uh, 101 million people with diabetes. How concerned should we be on these findings that many find out that they are diabetic only when complications arise? Uh, Thank you, Jyoti. I saw that report which you were mentioning. And while it's partly true, I I don't think uh, it's fully true because um, we have also done earlier studies to find out uh, when people are diagnosed with diabetes, what percentage of them already have complications. Uh, so it turns out that's about 6 to 7% of people who uh, at, on the day of the diagnosis, they already have eye changes or nerve changes or kidney damage. So in these people, obviously, it is being diagnosed very late, maybe even 10 years or more, the diagnosis is missed. Having said that, in all surveys, we have, what we have found is that about half of the people do not know that they have diabetes. For example, if there is a community and you're screening them and before you do the screening, you find out, let's say a thousand people have diabetes. When you screen that community, you will find that another thousand also have diabetes, but they didn't know about it. So yes, unknown diabetes or undiagnosed diabetes is very common. About that, there is no doubt. However, while a small percentage of them also have complications of diabetes, which means it's gone uncontrolled for 10, 15 years or more, in our uh, studies, it has been less than 10%. Even that is significant. If uh, 7 to 10% of people have already early complications of diabetes, that is not a very desirable thing. Bottom line is that we should try to have periodic screening whereby people are diagnosed early and we don't allow this uncontrolled diabetes to go on for many years. Correct. Even even with the numbers that we have, uh, you know, when you say six to seven percent knowing yes. of its own diagnosis, that makes it a large, uh, you know, burden. Yeah. Out of hundred million, that's going to be a large number by itself. You're right. Absolutely, and we also have an additional pre-diabetic uh, population. Yes. Who are on the borderline? Okay. In fact, so, the number of people with pre-diabetes is even higher than uh, diabetes. In the ICMR INDIAP study, we found. 101 million people had diabetes, but 136 million people had pre-diabetes. And there are some studies which have shown that even at the stage of pre-diabetes, a small percentage of people can have complications. Now, we know that the large blood vessels in the body, that is the heart, the brain, and the peripheral feet, and so on, uh, these blood vessels are known as a large blood vessels. And for them to get damaged, you really don't have to reach the stage of diabetes. The stage of pre-diabetes itself, it can damage the large blood vessels. But we're talking about the small blood vessels, which affect the kidney, the eyes, and the nerves. These usually get affected only after 
diabetes sets in and that's why diabetes is actually separated from pre-diabetes. But in a small percentage of people, maybe 2%, 3% of people with pre-diabetes, they can even develop the microvascular complications like eye, kidney and nerves. So the earlier we screen, we'll pick up diabetes and we'll also pick up pre-diabetes. And at that stage itself, we can take preventive steps and treat it. As you have indicated, I mean, more steps to be taken to manage this, I mean, uh, rather than, you know, looking at the perfect outcome of cure or, or reversal, to yes. even um, manage it better, which, uh, which is a good thing and which is possible given the drugs and the uh, lifestyle changes one can make. Yes. So, doctor, wanted to check with you, you know, we see across the world, there is this drugs that are taken and injectables that are taking the world by storm. Um, whether it, you see Ozempic and uh, Vekovi and, you know, we read all of this and this international popularity is in fact even putting uh, pressure on their supplies. But I believe these are injectables that are not yet available in India yet for maybe, but what would you say about these two, uh, you know, products? So they, they are absolutely, you know, uh, become very popular abroad. And as you said, it's even led to in some places, black market situation because the drugs are not available. It's like uh, gold or diamond or something like that. People are so crazy to get these drugs. There is no doubt that they're very effective, uh, both in controlling diabetes and more importantly, in weight reduction. Over the years, we have not had very successful weight reduction tablets or medications. Many of them, which from the 1980s, 90s, 2000, 2000 up to around 2010 or so, most of the weight reduction drugs have a very, uh, you know, a bad history uh, because within four or five years, some severe side effect is described and the drugs had to be withdrawn. On the other hand, this class of drugs, the GLP-1 receptor analogs of which semaglutide is a drug you're talking about, Ozempic and Bicovi come under semaglutide injectable once weekly. Now, these uh, drugs have already stood the test of time and in uh, trial after trial, they have been shown to be very effective. And people uh, love it because of the weight reduction that they get. And you're quite right that it's not yet introduced in India. I understand that Vigovi is likely to be introduced in India. And uh, Ozambic uh, is actually both are same. It's only related to the dose of the drug. So semaglutide in oral form, it's called ribelsis. And that is already available, 3 milligram, 7 milligram, 14 milligram, that is already available. Uh, the oral one is also good. And of course, it's not an injectable and you have to take it every day. But uh, it is not as powerful as the injectable uh, semaglutide. Now, as you rightly said, uh, double uh, dual agonists uh, and Monjaro is one of them, Tirsapetide, we call it. So this Tirsapetide uh, is from another company. And uh, this has even better uh, blood, uh, their body weight reduction uh, compared to even semaglutide, compared to Ozambic or Vicovi. So that is also making a lot of waves. It's called Monjaro and uh, Tirsapetide. That is also likely to be introduced in India. We don't know when, but we're waiting for it to come. Meanwhile, a triple agonist called as co-agonist, uh, Ritratrutride. So that's a third one where uh, three hormones, GIP, GLP, and glucagon, uh, all the three are combined into that. And with that, the weight reduction, which has been described, is almost unbelievable, almost like a bariatric surgery where they are able to get. Uh, so people who are grossly overweight, 
they love these drugs because a weekly injection and you take it and you lose a lot of weight of course they are expensive and so not everybody will be able to afford it and uh, we have been uh, describing uh, you know that telling indian manufacturers why don't you think of bringing generics of these drugs or biosimilars of these so that if made in india it can be made much cheaper uh, because it is needed uh, for our people but you are right that uh, these drugs are uh, taken whole uh, country by storm wherever they were introduced and we are likely to see that in india i understand that already there are people importing it for their personal use uh, from abroad so we are all waiting for it to come to india really fascinating developments around uh, you know the the drugs here you did mention oral semaglutide and i think you and others have also called it a game changer in that sense yes. but uh, and you also mentioned price so it's priced at about 10000 a month yes. but how has it acceptance been in uh, india doctor both in terms of has uh, you know price been a bit of an inhibitor in that sense and in other terms in terms of the um, you know the scientific side it's uh, it, it's working well with uh, indian patients yes it is working well in indian patients both diabetes control as shown by the hba1c reduction as well as more importantly with the weight uh, reduction uh, it has been very effective now regarding weight i would say that uh, uh, weight reduction no other drug is able to match this group of drugs the glp1 receptor analog we also have the sglt2s uh, which uh, are also oral and it helps to reduce weight but if you look at sheer weight reduction uh, nothing can come near the glp1 receptor analog so many of my patients are very happy and after adding that uh, their hb1c has come down as well as their weight has come down now the limiting factor is the cost as you mentioned it's about 10000 rupees but whichever of these comes even earlier the injectable we had liraglutide it's a daily injection then we had dulaglutide is a weekly injection of another company now whichever drug has been introduced the ballpark figure is going to be about the same whether you take it orally or you take it injectable once a week daily all come to roughly the same given take a little bit here and there uh, so for a common man a pensioner or a common man slightly outside their budget because uh, spending 10000 rupees just on one drug when you've got all other medications to also follow is not something which people can afford uh, so we should think of if these are really essential we should think of uh, getting subsidies for that or government procuring it and giving it to people who can't afford uh, so that's a secondary equity uh, distribution equitable distribution is another uh, thing we are talking only the science part here and uh, except for some little nausea and so on for which uh, you give low start with lower doses and then build up the dose so if that way if you do uh, the side effects are also manageable but overall uh, they have been very successful uh, products you did mention indian manufacturers and again something that we see this month was that Uh, a biosimilar of insulin aspart was launched in india by a local drug maker right. who was right. earlier making diabetes medicine so what is the significance of this sort of an insulin um, which is a you know a newer insulin in that sense so i mean it's a biosimilar so it is not a new molecule or anything it is a biosimilar so the aspart uh, the original aspart uh, which is produced by another company the indian company is now able to produce it in india and all the necessary trials have been done so if the cost substantially comes down 
I think it will benefit Indian patients. So therefore, I would think it's a welcome move. I also understand that one of these GLP-1 receptor analogs, which we had earlier, uh, called Lira glutide, the trade name for that is Victoza. So I believe that two or three Indian companies are already in line now to prepare uh, Lira glutide, which will become uh, available quite soon, I understand. Uh, so uh, I think these kind of biosimilars are produced. And if the cost comes down, it's a welcome move because it will then uh, help a lot more people than currently we are able to give it to. So this is a quick-acting insulin. It That's what, yes, that is true. It's, uh, it's normally given three times a day and it can be taken for with people with type 1 diabetes and even with people in type 2 diabetes who have got long duration, they start behaving like type 1. Uh, so there you can use it. So, Doctor, you did mention equity. Now, we see in the U.S. these campaigns which are being led by the, you know, the administration right at the top, um, you know, to sort of uh, keep insulin prices under control and to bring it down. In India, are these newer versions of insulin covered by insurance, for instance? I mean, we've spoken about this earlier also. Do you think they should, you know, they should be, as you've said, government procurement is one, but uh, how does insurance look at this? Insurance? I, I think in India, uh, I know that in some countries, Middle East and Dubai, Abu Dhabi, these kind of places, uh, they, they pay insurance pays for medication. Uh, so if they, they believe that by giving these medications, the ultimate com complications can be reduced and therefore they save there. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, in health insurance in India only pays for hospitalization and only pays for surgeries, uh, accidents, heart attacks, uh, those kind of things. So if you get an emergency and then you get admitted in hospital, they would pay. But for routine care, outpatient care, domiciliary care, where uh, routine treatment of diabetes, not only uh, insulins, tablets, nothing is covered actually. There may be some exceptions coming in now, but by and large, uh, only if you get hospitalized, uh, it gets covered. So that is something which we'll have to uh, kind of change going forward because if people control their diabetes well, the complications will be less and the cost of the complications is much more than the cost of treating diabetes itself. And so from that angle, I think we should encourage uh, insurance people to start paying for medication because that will help people to uh, continue their medications. Otherwise, after some time, they tend to drop off. Absolutely. And bring down healthcare costs. May, uh, hopefully your thoughts will trigger some of that conversation. Yeah. Um, Doc, you spoke about complications. I just wanted one more uh, thought on that. You, uh, you know, the complications around the liver. Now you, I understand, have started a liver-focused um, you know, yes. center. So why, yeah. why was that important, if you can explain? Yeah. So... Uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because liver fatty liver can come due to alcohol and in those who don't drink uh, like we call it as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease this uh, excess fat in the body which circulates in the blood as triglycerides or free fatty acids once they go into the liver and to other organs muscle and so on the fat tends to settle down there and in people with diabetes more than half of them have fatty liver and if you have diabetes and obesity, then it's more like 80% have fatty liver. So fatty liver can produce diabetes and diabetes can produce fatty liver. It's a bi-directional relationship. 
So, and the fatty liver leads to insulin resistance, which means the medicines don't work, insulin doesn't work, they need high doses of medicines. So, there's a close connection. On the other side, the fatty liver, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease can go on to what we call as steatohepatitis, which means that inflammation of the liver will occur from just fat getting deposited. It's a benign condition to inflammation of the liver locker. And that later on can lead to shrinkage of the liver, what we call a cirrhosis of the liver. And that is a you know dangerous uh, condition unless you are able to do a liver transplant or something. Uh, the cirrhosis uh, can be fatal because there's no cure after cirrhosis uh, sets in. And some of these patients' cirrhosis even go on to develop uh, hepatocellular carcinoma, which means cancer of the liver. So having uh, said that, uh, I think it is important to, in the diabetic clinic, just like we check the eyes, kidneys, heart, feet, nerves, we also have to check the liver. So that is why we set up a liver clinic to study liver problems in diabetes. And today we also have some medicines by which this fatty liver can be reduced. It can also help the diabetes. So it becomes part and parcel of a diabetic clinic. So in terms of, you know, or as, as you've indicated right in the beginning, it's, it's very clear you need to screen early and get, uh, you know, uh, one is, of course, your medication, but as you've always indicated, also to get your fitness and diet and everything else also in place. So one final question in terms of um, we see, look at the marketplace, there are a whole bunch of products which claim like biscuits, jams, etc., which claim to be diabetes friendly or sugar free. And for people with diabetes, they find comfort in consuming that because they assume the label is uh, authentic. Is, is that the case or do you think some of these health claims need to be verified as well? I think all the health claims need to be verified because we don't know which is genuine and which is not. And that is why I think the labeling, uh, Food Labeling Act and the Food Labeling thing, FSSAI is now emphasizing on that. And that's a right step forward because we have to um, uh, see that what is stated in the labels is correct, what the claims are correct. Many of them, uh, they say diabetic friendly, but it, all that it means that they've not added sugar into it. They'll say no sugar, zero sugar. They don't tell you that it has a lot of fat and trans fats, calories are high, uh, all that they don't tell you. So simply being sugar-free doesn't make it very healthy. Second, if they are loaded with some of the sweeteners, even there we have had discussions about the safety of the sweeteners and so on. And there are some people who believe that even these sweeteners uh, can uh, have adverse effects. Although we have seen that in small quantities, they don't do any harm. Uh, but uh, just being sugar-free doesn't make a product very healthy, especially if there's a lot of calories, a lot of fat, a lot of saturated fat, trans fats. It can be a very unhealthy product just because sugar is taken off. It doesn't mean anything. So these definitely have to be uh, tried and tested. And there are very few genuine diabetes-friendly uh, products in the market. And so we need more and more of those. As a final thought, doctor, because you've been, uh, I think, uh, treating diabetes for what, 30, 40 years now, what would you, for someone listening to you, what are the key messages you would like to leave them with? So first of all, I mean, on a more general uh, note, diabetes has a long uh, natural history. And therefore, years before you actually develop the stage of diabetes, you can develop pre-diabetes, you can pick up the condition at the stage of pre-diabetes, at which stage it's very easily reversible. Once you get diabetes, 
even there there are certain categories of people who are obese short duration diabetes milder diabetes where again reversal is possible if you have crossed that stage and reversal is not possible then i would say don't worry about it because it's now very easy to treat and keep the sugars under control the abc principle the hba1c which is a b is blood pressure c is cholesterol or ldl cholesterol and d is discipline so if you just follow the abcd mantra then you can get your sugars under good control and keep it under good control all the other parameters other comorbidities also under control people who do that we find that they have actually a long and healthy life despite diabetes and very often some of them do even better than people without diabetes so there's nothing to worry don't worry even if you can't achieve reversal or remission of diabetes the whole aim is to have a long and healthy life despite diabetes and the most important for that is to come for a regular diabetes checkup because once you see us every 3 months 4 months we'll be able to guide you and have course correction if you think you have no symptoms and you're doing well you may miss the bus and then after a year or two you may find that some damage has set in which later on we will not be able to correct so it's very important to have regular follow up and if your doctor has told you to take medications please take them because again people are scared about taking medication or oh, it'll lead to kidney damage it'll lead to cancer it'll lead to all that is you don't have to worry about all that if a good physician will be able to give you the correct dosages of medicines and these medicines have been proven to be safe they've been around for 50 60 years now and we have not seen any major complications due to them uh, world diabetes day has just crossed and so uh, on behalf of uh, colleagues and all of us uh, we'd like to wish you a happy world diabetes day and my vision is that uh, india uh, should become diabetes complications free it's very difficult to talk about diabetes free india because diabetes comes even due to aging family history of diabetes genetics so many things but a complications free india without blindness without amputation without kidney failure without heart attacks without impotency without any of the complications of diabetes we should be able to live and we have shown that 50 years 60 years survival is not unusual at all so that is my dream that we'll have a diabetes complications free india on that heartening note uh, doctor thank you so much for the conversation and insights so from the bl team and myself thank you once again thank you jyoti and thank you priya